Opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. If you're listening and you want to join the show today, we'd love to hear from you, and you can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And as always, we'd love for you to check out our new website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two watch.net. We're going to have a a really great conversation this afternoon. I have a local Philly girl in the studio with me. Her name is Erin Elmore. Erin is an attorney. She is a political correspondent, campaign spokesperson for President-elect Donald Trump, a television host, and a previous contestant on NBC's The Apprentice. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have a a guest live with me in the studio. I always prefer the face-to-face chat. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. Um, And as we always do, I want to give the listeners a little bit of a sense of you and and where you came from and kind of what led to the work that you are doing and and, uh, the career path that you've taken. So I want to start with your upbringing. Um, And I understand you grew up in McMurray, PA, which yes. is just outside of Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, the oldest of two girls. That's right? right. I was actually born in Hershey, so I've been Pennsylvania pretty much through and through. Okay, as am I. Right. Um, but tell me, you know, and you also were inv- involved in a lot of activities growing up. Really active young lady, um, both in um, in athletics mm-hmm. and in dance. Um, so just tell me a little bit about those years growing up, what, you know, mom and dad did and, and what was it that kind of helped build the confidence that you, uh, that you have? Oh gosh, so many things. It's a big but... question. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, my sister and I are 18 months apart, so we were really close and always enjoyed doing some of the same activities, but, um, we were always involved in book clubs and library and theater and things like that. But the one thing that now has such a horrible connotation in some circles would be um, beauty pageants. Mm. And we were really involved in them, but not in the, like, toddlers and tiaras kind of way that seems, like, pushy with kids wearing makeup. This was my sister and I just being competitive. And it was I – I don't know where that came from or why we got that out of it, but we just loved, you know, wearing the dress and going out there and winning and talking and being on stage and performing. Yeah. and. You know, if I had a daughter, I'm not sure that's something that I would put her in, but it did build a lot of confidence for both my sister and myself. So very random, but it certainly <laughs> laid some sort of a foundation. Well, the public speak being, you know, a performance is something that I think is serves people well no matter what they do, whether right. they're in business or, or actually something where you're performing. Um, as an older sister, would you say that you were someone that she looked up to, and did you kind of feel any um, need to, to be kind of leading her and teaching her out in the world? Oh, absolutely. I, I see other people that are one of two sisters, and sometimes it's the younger sister that's more like the mom, you know, and helping out. I, I'm more of that traditional older sister that was trying to guide my sister and be a good example and 
like lead her in the right direction. Yeah. Well, tell me your high school. What kind of school was that? An all girls academy? Was it a public school? I was went to a, a public school. A public mm-hmm. school. Um, and you know, yeah, there's nothing harder than those years. I think for young women, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was popular and I was involved in cheerleading and gymnastics and dance and track. But there, you know, there were moments that were hard. I, I think that the town that I grew up in was pretty. Very nice, but it's very sanitized and very provincial. And I sort of always had bigger aspirations, and I think that might have intimidated people. So I was bullied a little bit. And, you know, I'm just really tough and strong, and I could get through it. But I see now how people are going through that at that very formative and difficult age, and I so sympathize and empathize with that. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, we use the word bullying today. We didn't use that when we were growing no. up. It was just kids being mean to each other. Right. right? And, and now I, that doesn't fly. Yeah. I think, yeah, people are defending um, and speaking up against it, which is good. It's good. a good thing. Um, can you talk about a specific moment maybe growing up that kind of stayed with you where someone was, you know, not so nice? Oh, man. Um, you know, it was just, I would, I was good at school and cheerleading and all that. And the older girls just didn't want any part of me being a part of what they thought they were good at. And it was intimidating to them. So whether it was saying mean things or purposely having no one for me to sit with at lunch or, you know, my boyfriend at the time, they would take him out because they could drive, things like that, that now seem like absolutely nothing when you're 15, 16 years old is literally, of course, so traumatizing. It's devastating. But that's why you see what kids, you know, these days so sad, have such whether they're bullied on social media or in the classroom. And it's something to us seems so little, but at the time, their world is that. So it really has a big impact on them. Yeah. So um, you do a lot of public speaking, obviously, and you're on television mm-hmm. and um, out there in the public as a spokesperson for the campaign. Do you, now as an adult, mm-hmm. have moments where you have you know, self-doubt, you're a little nervous, and if so, what do you do to move through that? Oh, yeah, well, of course. There's no, there's not a day that we don't have self-doubt. There's not a day that I don't have self-doubt. But you just have to, because I just feel like as a mom and as a wife and as someone who has a career, I want to do everything. I want to be that perfectionist, and you just can't. So you have to say, you know what, okay, maybe these three things aren't going to get done today. That's okay. There's always tomorrow. And you have to live by that or else, you know, there's always going to be someone that can accomplish more. There's always going to be someone that is better or whatever it is. You know that you have to just be happy with who you are, and that's got to be enough. Yeah, yeah. Instead of kind of trying to fool ourselves that there is any kind of perfection out there, right? right? No such thing. Um, I was thinking about Jenna Bush, and Mm -hmm. she had made a mistake last night on the Golden Mm -hmm. Globes, and my goodness, you know, you'd think that that people had never made a mistake before. They were, you know, all over her on social media. It was literally a shame. Yeah. Well, people are tough. Social media is tough. Yeah, it is. Um, So so you had um, you went to University of Miami and yes. got a dual degree, mm-hmm. communications and political science. Yes. Tell me what what path you were looking to take um, at that time. What was your what were your aspirations in in selecting those degrees? Isn't it funny how that all of these things have come full circle and everything I got my degree in is actually kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of broadcasting and, and political science to me was something was fascinated by politics always. So I thought if I can combine these two in some way that would be really cool. And I graduated cum laude, so that was good. But I I always knew that broadcasting was something that I loved because I find public speaking to be a challenge and something you have to work at. And every time you do it, you learn something new and you improve yourself. And I found it to just be such a rewarding and challenging experience. But after college, I I thought, you know what, I should do a little more. I'm going to go to law school. And off I went to Villanova, and that's how I ended up here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Great, great law school, by the way. Great. 
when, tell me what, what was that pivotal moment when you decided? I mean, you could have really graduated and gone off and done something in communications or with your political science degree, but you decided to do law school. Was that a, kind of a yearning to take your education to you know one more level? I mean, I absolutely love education. I think learning is never a bad thing. And um, I always knew that a law degree would always it behooves you to have a law degree, whether it's negotiating a contract or buying a home and looking at you know the deed and the title and your mortgage documents. Just by being a lawyer, you know how to do these things that are going to help you and set you up for life. Yeah. So I practiced law for a very short amount of time, and I quickly realized, okay, we've got to pivot from this a little bit. Okay, tell me why. What was it about? Because I have numerous attorneys um, on the show, mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of um, things about practicing law that bring great, you know, reward and um, and joy. And there's a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. So what was it? What were the things that you just felt like this is not really for me? To- I just knew it wasn't my calling. You know, I, I thought I really want to go back to the broadcasting world. I do. So being more engaging with people. Yeah, and, and I would. Social- you know, yeah, billing hours and being in an office and not really talking to to people and engaging that much is something that was very difficult for me. I need a little more human interaction. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the moment that you decided to apply um, for or as a contestant Mm -hmm. on The Apprentice. Tell, can you tell me yeah. kind of where you were and how well, that all came to be? I was working at my law at, at said law firm, and a bunch of my friends said, "Hey, there's a trial for The Apprentice in town. You should go. You should go. You should go." No, 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 no. Finally, I said, "Fine, I will go stand in line." I think it was at the Lowe's Hotel. Line swarmed in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. right here in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. The line was around the block, and I think I was near the end, almost near the cutoff. And something came over me that day that just being around these people, and I, I'm like, I, I knew I could do it. I, I, for some reason, I knew I was going to be on the show. And I don't usually have feelings like that very often. So it worked out. And that was, take, take yourself back in time. This was what, 2006? This is when The Apprentice was the number one show on television. Everyone was talking about it. Was it, it. season three? Season three, read? Book Smarts versus Street Smarts. Yeah. And everyone was watching it. Everyone was talking about it. It was a number one rated show on television. It was the thing to watch. Yeah. Um, I think something like two million people tried out. You know, was that pr- uh, prior to the launch of Shark Tank? Which oh, in- yeah. Yeah, okay, that's But what same I thought. production company. Is that right? Mark Burnett yeah, Productions. Yeah, similar type of, you know. Yeah. I love those shows. Yeah, well, Survivor, Apprentice, um, the boxing show, The Contender, and um, Shark Tank are all Mark Burnett. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, what did you learn, you know, in reference to business and entrepreneurship from doing that show? I mean, first of all. Because all th- d- different things were thrown at you. you so know? many different things. And yeah. it was a wild experience. I bet. Very, yeah. very, very stressful. You you know, you would do a quote-unquote task, and it looks like that's a week. You know, that's one week of a show, but it's really compounded into three days. So you're working, 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 and there was no time off. There was no downtime. You're living in the same space with these people as well. Yeah, you're in the. Are you in Trump Tower? We were. Yeah. Okay. Our, it's okay. funny. I was there for a campaign event, and our suite that we lived in is now um, some, some was, was some of the campaign office space. Oh, is that right? And it looks so different. <laughs> but I'd love to see it come full circle. Yeah. Right. But no, I worked with some of the smartest and most powerful CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs in the world. And, and these I, were not celebrities at the time. Which, no. I, to tell you the truth, I, I actually enjoyed it more when it was just you know, your mm-hmm. everyday person yeah, uh, coming on and, and trying, you know, competing mm-hmm. in that way. And then it, it you know, it got to be more mm-hmm. celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, go ahead. You were uh, Yeah, so I, I, not even just the contestants that I was on with, the, they were all amazing in and of themselves, but the people that they paired us with on each task, you know, it was 
CEOs and just great people that you could just, you wanted to absorb everything and learn from them because they were business leaders, Fortune 500 company leaders. Right. So it was just an awesome experience. Yeah. And you were working long hours, right? So oh, in yeah. those couple of days, you're working nonstop. 12, 13, 14 hours if a day? If not more. Yeah. There was like no sleep going on. Yeah. How did you deal with the no sleep? That's something, you know, I mean, how do you keep fresh with the thoughts I don't and think ideas? It, I, don't, I don't know. I think you just power through. Did Adrenaline. You? Yeah. Absolutely adrenaline. It yeah. was really tough. And when you made that decision to do that, was there something in your mind you thought, you know, if I get on this show, this is either going to be a jump start for me in media or I'll get to really learn about business or what was your thought process in, in doing it? I saw no downside. I was also <laughs> young, so, you know. Fearless. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> right. Uh, so I just thought this is, this kid is only up from here. I get to hang with Donald Trump, you know, and yeah. so I just knew that something good was going to come out of it for me. And right afterwards, I got a job as a television reporter at NBC in Jacksonville, Florida, and there I went. And was that a direct result of being on the show? A hundred percent. Okay. I was doing a speaking thing with other contestants down in Jacksonville and met some of the local television producers. And I said, I see you have a vacancy. They told me someone just left. I said, I'll take that job. Yeah. They said, you're not from here. Can you move here? I said, I'll be here tomorrow. And, <laughs> and that's you just went? Literally. Yeah. And were you married at the time? No. No. no okay. I was di- so, different lifestyle. Yeah. You had the freedom to just kind of drop things Absolutely. and go where you needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. A little, diff- little more difficult now. Well, you know what? Yeah. You're a mom. I'll, you know, we'll mention that. You have a little yeah. boy. He's mm-hmm. four. Almost four, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the questions I mentioned to you, you know, before we came on air that I wanted to ask you was about, obviously, you know, as a spokesperson for, for President-elect Donald Trump's campaign, mm-hmm. um, you're in support of him and you, you know, were aligned with, with what he wants to do for the country. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know from a mom standpoint what you hope you'll see uh, change in our country for your son, Royce? Right. Well, the, I mean, there's a little bit of a backstory. I have never been a Republican in my life. I was always a Democrat. And this all started by the news networks who I had a relationship with. It's CNN, Fox, Fox Business, MSNBC in New York. They would ask me questions about my time on The Apprentice and how I thought Donald Trump had treated me as a woman and as a person. And I would just tell the truth. He was amazing to me. He wrote me letters of recommendation. He advanced my career. He's a good person. He has great business acumen. And eventually, I did such a good job on the networks, they started asking me pretty detailed political questions. And I was able to answer them and really start to formulate how I thought and how I wanted to see our country evolve and how I wanted to see life for my son going forward. And, you know, and it's ironic that I this has all happened. It's sort of life hands you something and... You know, it's a whole other path for your life. But I just want my son to see if to work hard. I think the days of participation trophies should be over. Mm. I I don't want him to show up at a job and say, okay, just because I showed up, I deserve a promotion. I want you to know you have to work hard. You have to make your own way. Nothing is going to be handed to you. And I think there's that's what I see in Donald Trump and his children, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for that hard work. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest lessons. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It sounds like it was almost kind of, I'm not going to say an aha moment, but it was um, you were able to reflect Mm -hmm. and realize that maybe your views were a little bit more, um, you know, we always talk about right and left in Mm -hmm. the country. And I personally, I think most people are somewhere in between. Statistically speaking, that's the truth. There's fringes on both sides and most people's fault. Their their views are very closely related. We're able to form an opinion and and make a decision based on something that's in front of us, not just kind of of standard. Most of us don't stand that far apart, really. Yeah. But but was there a little bit of a moment where you thought, gosh, my views, I think my views are a little bit more 
um, towards the right as far as, you know, what we know to be left or right? Well, I think Peter Thiel at the convention um, said something really powerful, and that was like, you know, we have bigger fish to fry right now than worrying about what – and he's a, he's a gay man from Silicon Valley, very well respected. Um, and he basically said, we don't need to be worrying about which bathroom we're using. We have real problems in our country. Let I'm gay. Let's support gay rights. Let's support transgender rights. Let's focus on fixing our country. And the social issues, I am quite liberal on. But I think that we have to fix – right now I think let's just make sure everyone has their rights. Everyone's protected. Treat everyone with dignity and respect, regardless of the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their race, their country of origin. And let's focus on the real issues that are plaguing our country, whether it's poverty, health care, job formation, national security, international security. Those yeah. are the issues that matter. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, um, I think you can be um, very much uh, focused and interested in social issues and, and believe that things need to be done a certain way and also just kind of have – you know, conservative values and, mm-hmm. and want to see, you know, the best for the country. Let's talk about women's role in that. You know, when we think about the violence, that's just one area where, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot to be fearful of today. And um, if we think about women and their role in um, fighting against violence globally, how do you see that? How do you see that role? Because Historically, women have never been certainly um, in charge in the military or, you know, just in areas that are um, based around security. How, what do you think women can do to contribute to helping the world with regard to violence? I mean, that's such a big question. It is a big question. I know. I just think I, of raising your children. You know, I think of my son and how I would want him to be raised and how I want him to view violence. And that start, has to start in the home. And then I think... As we get older, we just all have to have an active role in helping our communities and helping those less fortunate than ourselves. And I think some of it is unavoidable. I think the very sad situation of Fort Lauderdale, a lot of that was our system failed him. I really do. But I think women just have to be a part of the conversation and be a big part of it. Do you see? So do you see that women have gifts that are different from men, that we can contribute in a, in a, a bigger way, a different way? I mean, I, I would hope so. I think that we are different. Some people try to say that men and women don't have those fundamental. I see us as very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that women just have to have a voice and have their voice be heard. And whether it's helping the community, this the gentleman with the, in Fort Lauderdale, you know, he went into I don't know one of his, his military places and said, "There's voices controlling me." Someone there should have done something and should have said something. And I think women have that sort of innate understanding of human beings. I wish someone was there to say that for him. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. The intuition. Intuition. Intuition, yeah. I think, is one of the key things that um, that women have mm-hmm. that you know can can help in all situations. So true. Yeah. Um, tell me what you think when we think about young women today, and um, something we talk about on the show all the time is social media. Mm-hmm. You know what goes on out there. They're, everyone is so judgmental. Mm-hmm. People are judging everyone but themselves, right? And they're looking at, at everyone. Um, and I think it's hard for young women to be independent thinkers and form their own opinions. And for young men, too. It's not just women. Um, what are some ways that we can help battle against that, this, this distraction that's out there, and really encourage young women to be more thoughtful and, and think critically and, and form their own opinions? Um, we spoke about this a little earlier, but I think the social media element of it is, has made it really hard. There's so much noise and there's so much chatter. It's almost like we have to go back to basics, turn off the technology for a minute, go out into the world, 
try to make connections, network with other women, find a role model, find a mentor. I think those connections are really important for young women because the workplace can be such an intimidating place when you're 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. You're trying to forge your way. You're so young. To have someone a little bit older and wiser than you is always a great place to start. Yeah. You know what? Um, has there been somebody in your life that is kind of your go-to person, a mentor that you know lifts you up when you need that? I have so many different – in different areas, there's different people that I think have really helped guide me. And whether it's, you know, there's an attorney that I – and I lost track of her, which is really sad, but she was a really big inspiration to me when I just got out of law school and helped me stay calm and try to stay focused and forge my path. But she was really a big help. Was there a a bit of advice that she gave you that kind of sticks with you? She said, this is going to be twice as hard as a woman. You want to have a family and be a mother and a wife. You're just going to have to do twice as good of a job. And the good thing about women is that's what we're capable of, and that's what we do. So you'll be just like the rest of it. We can all do it. Yeah. Um, so what is your typical day? You know, that's not a creative question, but, you know, when you have your hands in so many different directions, what is a typical day for you, and how do you manage kind of the influx of requests? Every day is so different, especially living in the world of television and breaking news. I'll be asked to go on CNN or Fox or Fox Business at the drop of a hat. Hey, we need you in New York in three hours. So that's crazy. And luckily I have a very supportive husband who will help me shuttle my son around and our son around and help us figure that. So there's no typical day. It basically depends upon the news cycle. Um, So if there's something crazy going on, I'm on a train to New York. I'm getting home at 1 in the morning. And I also have my side job, which has been my consistent job over the last seven years, I've been um, a television host at QVC, right. which is here mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, for seven years now. And that job, is that, that could take, we could take an hour just talking about QVC. It's an amazing place to work. But people watch QVC 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're on air all the time. So I'll be there. Last night, for example, I was there from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. You were? Uh-huh. And look at you. You look so fresh and awake here today. Uh, okay, what's your secret there, really? That, um, I mean, sleep I, is so critical for me. Again, my husband, he, he said, yeah. I'll take our son to school this morning and you just sleep a little. But yeah. I got home at 4.30 in the morning. And after you're on television or on the radio, it's not that easy to wind down. Right. You're amped up. You are. You're counting the clock. You know, you're seeing what's going on. You're yeah. waiting for a commercial break. You know, you're, it's just very stressful. Yeah, so you don't is. just go home and crash. Right. So every day could be, I could be working at 3 in the morning. I could be working at 9 a.m. I could be doing nothing for a day and then getting all of my errands done that I've neglected all week. It's all about yeah. triaging, I think. Okay. <laughs> that's a good let's, word, yeah. Yeah, let's prioritize and triage, and right. I think that's all you can do. Right. So what do you do to, because you're right, that, you know, media, in media, you are, you're keyed up. You want to have mm-hmm. high energy, and um, yeah. what do you do to, to wind down and relax? I love to exercise. I'm a huge endorphin junkie. Yeah. Any kind of exercise on any kind of nasty apparatus that these teachers put us on these days, these Pilates machines and yoga mats. Sometimes that can key you up, though. It does, but it helps release the stress. So I'm a big fan of exercise. I try to exercise for at least an hour every day, if not two. Yeah. No matter what time it is. If I have to get up at 4 in the morning, I'll do it. Wow. Wow. You're you're disciplined. I guess. Yeah, really. You you seem very disciplined. I mean, you're doing the things you need to do. Um, Where do you think that comes from? I keep coming back to that. That I I don't know. So, you you know, sometimes I think people's drive is just in their DNA. They were born that way. And other times I think there's something that that drives us, that we're either trying, maybe trying to prove something or we're excited by challenge or um, we just, you know, we we get keyed up for, for new opportunities. Is there something you can pinpoint? 
Oh gosh, it's so, so difficult. I mean, I do think I just love the challenge. Anything, I make everything a challenge though. Whether it's a spinning class that you want to be the number one. A competition or yeah. Cha- yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe it's that. I just love a challenge. I love doing something that I'm a little bit afraid of, you know, to push myself to the limit. And and getting that feeling kind of of, of adrenaline when you're I, doing it. I think that's the theme. When you so when you were on uh, QBC last night, was mm-hmm. that a last minute call in and, and to I knew talk about, about a product one. or this was a product, but I knew about this one. This was on the schedule for about a week, but okay. that's not always the case. I'll get a text message or I'll get a call. Hey, we need you to come in. Sometimes there'll be a snowstorm and they'll say, hey, can you fill some time? We know you're kind of local. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> right? And then there you are. Do you have um, Do you have a piece of advice for anyone who's listening, a young budding, you know, a woman who wants to get into media? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that can kind of create the opportunities? Because it really is often about a, an opportunity that propels you mm-hmm. into some kind of position in media. you got to cut your teeth somewhere. Start at the bottom. Work really, really hard. And I would say The Apprentice is the anomaly with reality shows. You know, it's a business show. No one's there because they're pretty or getting a rose or meeting a guy. So The Apprentice was a really uh, ideal situation because I was there because of business acumen. But now reality TV is so, whether it's a housewife or a bachelor, a lot of people think reality TV is going to be their launching pad. I would say stay away from reality TV unless it's a business show and go cut your teeth, whether it's being an intern at a radio station, just get your foot in the door and make connections because sometimes it is about who you know and who you meet along the way because people, if you're working hard and eager to learn, people are willing to help you. Generally, humans are good. Yeah. And along the way, people are willing to help you. Yeah, I agree. You know, when we talk about networking, sometimes young people, I don't think, understand Mm -mm. the importance of it or really what it is. It's just about putting yourself out there and forming mm-hmm. relationships, Absolutely. you know, genuine relationships. Right. Talk about networking a little bit and, and what your philosophy was about it, I guess. Somehow I think that's in my DNA that I'm just, I just excel at that. I, I like to be a value add though. You know, some people are always asking and asking and asking and taking, and that can be very fatiguing. But you want to be someone who's also a value add. What can I do for you? How can I help you? And that's always been something I've done and continue to do to this day. Because then you're seen as it's a symbiotic relationship and you're helping each other to get ahead. And I think that's the best way to do it because you're a value. That's exactly right. And that person is going to think of you, mm-hmm. you know, down the road when another opportunity arises. Mm-hmm. Yes. And my husband's also a prolific networker, too. So we work together on that a lot. But it's also I also say save the ask. If you, you know, don't ask, save your favor for something really important. That's great advice. I yeah, mean, that. that's great advice. Because if you need something big and you just ask for something little. You know, just manage your asks. Let's talk about that. The ask is something so important Mm -hmm. um, in any career. We Mm -hmm. we really, um, and again, I think women in particular struggle with the ask because we're Mm -hmm. naturally wanting to to help. Mm -hmm. Um, We're nurturers. We're collaborative. Let's bring everybody in and make sure everybody's a part of this. Um, Some tips on how you you make that ask and feeling confident in it, asking for something that you know you deserve. Right. I think it can be really hard. You have to build up the courage because even I struggle with that, whether it's writing the right email or making the right phone call. You know, I think just highlight your what you've done. You know, I know we've done this and this and this together, and here's what I want and here's why and here's how we can work together to get it. And that's what I usually do. Yeah. And sometimes if I've done a favor for that person or something, I'd say, hey, I hope it worked out when I introduced you to so-and-so. I spoke to them, and they said you guys had a great meeting. So it's something like reminding them in a – 
gentle and subtle and kind way yes. what you've done for them too. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break, mm-hmm. and when we come back, I want to talk about you know what your thoughts are moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know what your um, goals are and, and where you think you're headed. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area in mid-November, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hima Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411. That's montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome.
Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I have with me in the studio this afternoon Erin Elmore. She is an attorney. She is a political correspondent. Um, she was the campaign spokesperson for President-elect Donald Trump. She's a television host and often on QVC. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll give a shout-out to QVC. Um, and also a previ- previous contestant on NBC's The Apprentice. Um, so I want to talk about your, you know, some of the media uh, television um, spots that you've done across the board, mm-hmm. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's often controversy that arises for anyone that speaks publicly, you mm-hmm. know, and becomes a public figure. People are going to have opinions about what you said, about who they think you are. Um, so I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes. What, what advice do you have for anyone who's pursuing a career in media and how to handle that controversy. Um, And did you have any instances where, you know, someone spoke out against you personally and how did you deal with that? Well, you can't, you know, it's almost like the, again, back to social media, don't read the bad things and don't read the good things. Just don't read any of them because if you're reading all of the good things, you're going to think you're this amazingly wonderful, untouchable person. If you're reading all the bad things, you're going to be really sad and dour. So don't read any of it and have true friends. I have really, really a good network of friends and a good support group around me that will help set me straight if I need to to be set straight. Um, my husband always watches my material, and he gave me a lot of good feedback. Say, hey, when someone says this, don't make this facial expression. Just you, you just learn different techniques and how to handle things along the way. But I think my true friends, whatever side of the political spectrum they fell upon, they remain friends with me because they know who I am as a person and they're proud of my accomplishments. Um, But there were times when certain people felt very strongly about their political views and maybe didn't speak. We didn't speak for a while or just because we couldn't talk about it amicably. I can certainly, but some people can't. So you just know, give people time. Don't be in their face. Just, just give it a little bit of space. Space and time is, is, is good sometimes. Yeah, and, and the ability to kind of not react emotionally, mm-hmm. right? How do you do that? In other words, um, I think we're all passionate about certain beliefs that we have, and certainly mm-hmm. the topic of politics and religion, it's those rough. are two areas. It can be really you, – you can feel yourself yeah. getting emotional. How do you um, keep the emotion out of the conversations, which is yeah. so important, especially when you're, you, you know um, – a correspondent on yes. television, and you're really not supposed to be right. emotional. Right. Well, as Alan Iverson says, practice. I just had to practice, practice. You, you get better with time. And the other thing is, is when I'm I'm doing this for a living, so I know my points, counterpoints, arguments, and what people are going to say, and how I can, you know, basically combat, combat those arguments. So, if I generally, if I have a conversation with a lay person about it, I have all of my information. I'm armed with an arsenal of information, so they can't really say too much back. Yeah. Well, you know the truth, right? Right. And, yeah. I've, you know, it's my job to, to make points and counterpoints against the opposing side, so I'm pretty armed with information. Yeah. But I had sat down with a really smart, intelligent, successful woman who fell on the other side, and we just had a conversation about it, like two adults, and we said, help me understand. No, help me understand. And it was beautiful and lovely and fun and nice. And we shared a glass of wine, too, so what's so bad about that? Yeah, I love that. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to encourage people to say more is help me understand. Mm-hmm. Help me understand your view and your side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, what was one of my questions for you is how do you – what are some actionable things we can do to really bring women in particular who are on either side of the political uh, spectrum together to have the conversations without judgment, to mm-hmm. really try to understand people's views? Right. Well, I mean, I would say, first of all, 
equal pay for equal work is not a political issue. You know, um, paid leave for maternity and childcare is not a partisan issue. Right. So I think we have to come together to address the issues that are really important to working women and women with families or women that work inside the home or outside of the home. I know it's really hard. I could never have a nine-to-five traditional job given the fact that I have to shuttle a child back and forth to school and, you know, make lunches and do all of these things. And, and to balance it all and see these women that are doing all of those things, it's, it is the hardest job in the world. And I think if we work together, regardless of our political feelings, we're going to accomplish so much more. I had a boss that was amazing, and she was so tough. Um, she used to say, like, that women-on-woman crime is the biggest epidemic. <laughs> but it's true, right? right. right. I, I really saw that as partially true. So yeah. working well, together is key. Don't fight each other. Don't pull that ladder up, the corporate ladder up with you. Help other women up it. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, um, you know, so many resources today to do just that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know your views on, you know, when we talk about there's a lot of um, organizations and, and platforms now. We have Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In, and we mm-hmm. have Arianna Huffington's Thrive. Um, we have women um, who are giving TED Talks that mm-hmm. are kind of about women's empowerment and all of that good stuff. We didn't have that growing up, and it, and it probably was more so when you were than I was. I think there's a big difference now that the messaging to young women is, my goodness, don't hold back. You have just as much abilities as uh, men to contribute from an intellectual standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there's no argument that we're different, you know, physiologically. We are. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see there being more of an impact when, again, we're, we want to be helping each other and supporting each other, but there's a lot of different subjects that need attention. Um, when you talk about, you know, medicine and politics and, um, you know, business and entrepreneurship, do you see the... Um, the panel events and the discussions where we're highlighting women who've done it right as a good way to do it? Um, is it to do put more books out on tips and, you know, um, advice? Or what do you think is the most, is going to have the most impact in a real way? All of the above. I think there's not, there's not a magic silver bullet here. I think we have to do everything. And I think it's, it's, it's something that we all have to work together and help the younger generation to, help them and help them understand and also understand the struggles that we've gone through and, you know, making sure that it's not just about, you know, social media. It's about going out into the world and seeing other people, see what they do, see how they live and having a better understanding face to face. Yeah. Is there a particular cause that you're interested in um, that you are doing any work with, any type of charity or organization? Well, I mean, right now I'm focusing a lot of uh, – I've worked with Ivanka Trump across the state of Pennsylvania on a lot of her women's issues, and I look forward to forging that path going forward a little bit more with her. And she's really a big advocate of her father's um, programs for women's advancement. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, tax credits for women who are working inside the home or, or child care or things like that, and I think those are so, so, so important. You've done multiple interviews with her. Is mm-hmm. there any insight or something you can share with us that you took away from her personally that maybe people wouldn't know? Well, Ivanka Trump is such a poised and elegant and intelligent woman that she's just such a great role model for no matter what your political views are. She was just so great to work with, and she was so intelligent and passionate, and she doesn't consider herself to be a very political person at all, and she just has really drilled down into helping women and helping women with families and what can I really do to better the world for my children. And that to me was just so 
amazing to watch and to see and to spend time with someone that amazing. And yes, she's so professional. She she's really great. is. Are you, are you able to share kind of where her interests are going to lie? You know, once um, he's elected and, and becomes president. She's doing child care, elder care, ta- um, tax reform, and also um, with the environment. So she's okay. she's going to have an important role. And she's her husband's a bright guy too. So he just got appointed today. He did. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's going to be a family affair. Right. And look, I, I've talked a lot about his children, all of them. You see a lot of children of billionaires that are in the tabloids, stumbling out of nightclubs with mugshots. You don't see that with these people. You don't see that with the Trumps. They're all hardworking kids with charitable foundations, with jobs, with great families, with great kids, doing great things for our country. So he must have done something right in raising those kids. Yeah, well, you know, you've had personal contact with them, and I Mm -hmm. I was curious about what you saw and what you thought – how was he able to do that with his children? And of course, I'm, you know, their mothers were involved in their lives mm-hmm. as well. They don't, they don't mm-hmm. often get, you know, some credit. Um, they're there, but um, it is tough to be in the spotlight, to have that kind of wealth, mm-hmm. and really come out and be okay. What do you think the key was there? I'm sure they well, both. Well, I know for at least the older children, I, Ivana Trump was their mother. Look at her work ethic. Look at Donald Trump's work. I think they saw two parents with really strong work ethics that were both really intelligent. And they just, you know, you emulate that behavior, except nothing less. Yeah, again, it comes, it's it's just, you know, the way you were raised with mm-hmm. this work ethic. Working hard really pays off in a big way. Yeah, parents can't let their kids slide by. And it's all about parenting, too. It's what you expect and demand of your children. Yeah. Um, so you've done a lot in uh, media, in mm-hmm. politics. Um, do you have a preference to where you're going to be headed? Do you have any political aspirations of your own? Oh, geez. Uh, people ask me that all the time. It's always a possibility. It really is. It's something that I would love to do. I think public service is a tremendously important job, and I feel that um, our system has now shifted a lot with someone that didn't have the, – the idea of a career politician is kind of a horrible idea. And, our, and that wasn't what our founding fathers wanted for this country. That's not what they – that's not who they were. They would come, do a few things in Washington, fix things, and go back to their farming and their banking and things like, of that nature. We had people that had real-life skills that were actual business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, various walks of life. But now we, we have this culture of, like, the career politician, and I think mm-hmm. that's why things have become so stagnant. Mm-hmm. And that's why Donald Trump is that breath of fresh air in a broken system. And I would love to also be sort of something – like that because I think change is really, really necessary. Our governments are so bloated and, you know, we're not getting projects done on time and in debt. And I think something should really change. And corruption scares me too. So I think that it's something about changing that norm and shifting that paradigm even further on the local level. And I would love to get involved. Yeah. I was going to ask you on the local level, what kinds of things do you think um, you can do or any any woman who's in the community, let's say, Mm -hmm. who really hasn't had any type of background in in Mm -hmm. politics? can do to try to make a difference? I live in Philadelphia County, which is traditionally very, 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 very democratic. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to meet with some of my friends who are in that world and in that realm. Um, And I'm just going to start having those conversations and seeing where they lead. You know, I know a few senators and things of that nature. So I have a few meetings set up, and I'm just going to see what happens next. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I I want to talk to everyone. I I respect that about you, your openness to really always be seeing um, other points of view. Mm -hmm. It's such a. I think that's something that really has um, been part of the problem in, in kind of keeping things stagnant, is people with opinions are staying on either side and they're not coming together. I mean, right. it's it's kind of oversaid, but 
um, collaborating in diversity has got to be a priority. We have to work together or else nothing is going to get accomplished. Have to. Um, let's talk about um, women and their role in politics in general. Um, you know, I think we want to see more women with you know, political positions where they have influence um, greater than we've had before. Do you, do you, when you're talking to women, colleagues, friends, your sister, mm-hmm. um, do you have these conversations where you encourage the women that you know to really kind of step out of, out of their comfort zone and speak up? You know, you, you have been, you know, uh, as I said, independent. You know, you, you have a lot of confidence. You're outspoken. Mm-hmm. You're opinionated without being a kind of narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have these conversations with the women in your life, and are you encouraging them to kind of step out and do those Speak up as well, I'll say. Well, birds of a feather sort of flock together. All, all of my female girlfriends in their own rights are so, they're all so intelligent, and they all have these great careers and fantastic points of view. And so we sort of inspire and motivate each other. I have a friend that's a vice president at Goldman Sachs in New York. I have a friend that's a vice president of a pharmaceutical company. So I have friends that are doing amazing things, and I just am fascinated by how different their jobs are than, than mine, that I just take from them and get inspired by them, and they say they get inspired by me. So I think it's surrounding yourself and they say one bad apple can spoil the bunch. Surround yourself by people that you would like to emulate. Surround yourself by people that inspire you. And then you're inspired every day. Yeah. So you already, your, your circle of women are already doing it, right? Oh, absolutely. They're already yeah, out great. there doing it. Yeah. Great. Okay. Tell me what keeps you up at night. What do you worry about? What is, what is something that, you know, you fear? I don't think any of us live life without fear. You know, we don't have it together every moment of every day. It's different every night, right? There's a new every new day. It depends on what your son did that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's all it's all about my son, really, right? It's just yeah. what the world's going to be like for him, and what does he need to be successful, and how am I going to achieve the goals that to make him successful? So it, it's really it, it depends on the day and what that day has brought. And I have a new stress. There's something new pops up all the time. Yeah. I don't have a, one one thing, but I just want him to grow up in a safe world that you know he's got opportunities and can work really hard and be a success. And he's only three and a half, almost four, so I can't really worry that much yet. But <laughs> you have to. Well, you do, we do. As parents, we worry about the future for our kids. And mm-hmm. I, I think I, with, with technology um, and the Internet, it's a whole new ball game. And mm-hmm. there's so many great things about it that help us connect to people on a global scale, which I love. That's so cool. But there's a lot of scary sides to that because we know that our children are going to be exposed to things that maybe we wouldn't want them to be. Do you worry about that? Of course. Yeah. And now the, the internet and the information, whatever app you're reading or whatever website you're on, there's so much information you almost can't even find what's true and what's not sometimes. That's right. Well, we're talking about the fake news today. What do right. you think about that? I mean, how do we decipher? How do we determine? It takes a lot of digging. It takes a lot takes- of digging. It takes a lot and finding reliable sources. And a lot of untruths are perpetuated by the mainstream media on both sides. So it's you have to be really, really careful. Would you say it's best to kind of stick with a, um, a, a news outlet and rather than be jumping all over and getting overwhelmed by all of the different um, the different facts and, that are out there, kind of stick with one that you like on both sides? I don't mean you know something mm-hmm. that always gives one side of a story. Um, to get your daily news. I think it behooves us to keep an eye on everything because then you know what one side is saying and what the other side is saying and comparing and contrasting information. I think knowledge is power. So then you can see what people on both sides are saying. Um, but as soon as you know what sources are reliable and unbiased and 
I think you stick with those. But I think it's, it behooves us all to read everything. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, it, there's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when it comes to, to media in general, I really want to try to help, again, women to be able to form opinions and be independent thinkers on, on all of the topics. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to kind of get sucked into where they uh, see the masses going. Right. You know? And, and academia even is, is can be a tricky thing. I just did a, a, a panel discussion over at Drexel. And what I found is a lot of teachers and a lot of professors have certain viewpoints that are, they're politically minded or what, you know, it's hard because academia is generally pretty liberal and that can be hard too, because then, you know, your teachers are shaping your points of view and, and that can be really hard too. So I think it's learning to form your own opinions, read things outside of recommended course work and start to form your own opinions and realize why you feel a certain way. I remember there was a big Bernie Sanders protest and a lot of people there protesting weren't even registered to vote. I mean, which is such an easy thing to do online. Yeah. And to me, that's that's almost just as scary. You want a voice, but the the younger generation, you want to have your voice, but then you don't want to have to do any of the work to back it up. Yeah. You have to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be you have to be knowledgeable. You have Mm -hmm. to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, And actually that, you know, life's so much more exciting when you're doing that. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been someone who wants to be in the loop and know, you know, yes. what's going on. And, yeah, it doesn't make life more exciting. Do you ever think about writing a book? Is that oh, something geez. on your bucket list? <laughs> I think I want to write a children's book. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, a lot less controversial. I mean, yeah. because I find I love humor, and my son is so funny. And the things that he says, I'm just like, this is a great book. He likes to be called Sandwich. It's like, because. Mom, where do sandwiches live? I don't know, because my husband likes sandwiches. <laughs> so I want to write a any particular sandwich, the Ninth Street uh, pork pork sandwich. I'm sure they'll eat any of them. But <laughs> so he's, where, Mom, where do sandwiches come from, and what do sandwiches eat? And so, like to me, that's there's got to be a kids book in there called What Do Sandwiches Eat? Yeah, there don't you steal go. my idea. You got the title, right? What do sandwiches <laughs> eat? Because that's I, di- I I didn't have as, as a parent, you like to have answers. I don't have an answer for that one. Yeah, pickles maybe. <laughs> so that's all I can think well, about lately. You, you know what I love. I love that about you know we we've, we're only just getting to know each mm-hmm. other and I could tell the first time we met that you had a, this sense of humor um, in you and you know outside of a lot of serious issues mm-hmm. that we talk about I think it's so important um, yeah, you I have think to giggle you have to laugh mm-hmm. um, or we'll be crying right mm-hmm. oh yeah I have I have to tell me what um, what uh, are some of your favorite books? Have you read some books that you feel like you could recommend to our, our listening audience of women that are trying to be better and do better and, and get more involved? This is a random one, but it's a classic, and it's one of my favorites, and I've read it a couple of times. Um, it's Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh. My grandfather gave it to me in high school, and it's been updated and revamped so many times, but it's such a powerful book on how to exist in the world and how to treat people with respect, and I, I love, love, love it. And also a totally different realm, not not an inspirational, motivational book, but I love Confederacy of Dunces, which is fiction, and it's. I gotta write that one um, down. It's, <laughs> but you gotta get through it. I, a friend of mine who's a big literary genius, recommended it in law school, and I struggled through it, struggled through it, struggled through it, and then I got to the last page and read the ending, and it became my favorite book. But I struggled through every single other page. Is that right? Why? I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. But it just, yeah, it, I just, 
Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but it's the greatest <laughs> book of all time. Are you a are you a good reader? You know, because talk about law school. I read quickly. <laughs> Do you, you read quickly and you yes. ab- absorb as much as I can the knowledge? But I also advise people that are maybe in college age. I go. I went to class. To me, if you go to class for how, if you go to class and pay attention, you're going to be a better student. To me, that I mean, I guess that's not that prolific of a or a profound, rather, thing to say, but go to class, show up. Yeah. That helped oh me. Gosh, that's <laughs> such simple advice and such But, but good so advice. many people don't. Yeah. Now, so the book you... alone isn't enough. If you go in here with the teacher's interpretation is, then, you know. Were you going to class because you were genuinely interested and, and wanting to learn, or were you going again for that, um, I want to get that A, I want to do the best I can possibly do in class? Both. I really think it was, I wanted, I, I had that dangling carrot of grades, and success in front of me, but I also knew that I was going to go and I was going to learn and I was going to enjoy it. So, and the combination of the two is like the perfect combination. Do you think you'd ever go back to school and d- do any additional oh my education for any reason? I, I mean, I, I would love, I don't know what it would even be, but I love learning and I love school. I mean, it would probably be so fun, right? Now, as an adult, Right, it's so, so fun. Right. It would be so much more fun. I say that all the time. If I had known what I, you know, know today, oh my and goodness. when I think back to school, um, I was easily distracted by things and now I just want to absorb as much as I can exactly so I don't have any immediate plans but you never know right (laughs) you never know you have to I I just said to my daughter this morning keep your head up and your eyes open Mm -hmm. and opportunities will come yes it's true um, so you you were a, you were born and raised in in Pennsylvania, came to Philadelphia, but you spent a lot of time in Florida. Uh, well, is that I, right? I'll, yeah. Well, my parents live in Jupiter, which is near Palm Beach, and you know, just having so many friends from going to the University of Miami, I spend a lot of time in Florida. Yeah. Are, do you think you're gonna you're settled here in the Philadelphia area? My husband is the CEO of a company based in Philadelphia. Okay. So we are here, and my son is going to be going to school here on the main line next year. So we are here and, and pretty settled. And I've been in Philadelphia for 16 years now, 17 years now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I, I see It's a good place to live. I love I, it. I Look, love you're it close too. to yeah. the beach. You're close to the mountains. You're close to New York. You're close to D.C. It's really the best of all worlds. Yeah. Tell me, um, I want you to give, we just have a couple of minutes left, mm-hmm. and I always ask my guests to, to, to leave the, the listeners with some advice. I mean, you, when I look at you and, and um, I've, read, you know, did my homework on your background and and know what you have accomplished. Um, You're really one of the most confident women I I think I've ever met. Oh, wow. And I think we all want to have that confidence. We all want to have the ability to to speak out, speak up, and give opinions and and have conviction. Mm -hmm. Conviction is something I think um, people struggle with. Mm -hmm. And we should all strive to have more conviction in our beliefs so if you you know if someone's listening and they're really kind of you know they just don't have that what could you say to them to help them to write that book Mm -hmm. ask for that raise start that new business they've been thinking about you know Mm -hmm. really get over that stuck place right well just know that you're not going to be the best version of ariana huffington you're going to be you're not you know you're not going to be the best version of hillary clinton you have to be the best version of you Mm -hmm. stop comparing yourself to other people don't look at their accomplishments only look at their accomplishments to inspire you just dig deep within yourself and it's in there it really is whether it takes that few days of meditation and thinking it through but you have to it it only is going to come within you it can't come from, it's, you know, it's not going to be an external force. It's going to come from something within you. So don't compare yourself to the other mom on the block or the, you know, 
other person you read about in the tabloids or in the newspaper or something like that. It's within you. It's yeah. all about you. I love that because it it's really true. it's not something that someone's going to say to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm asking you to give advice, but yet it's it's so true that if you focus on the original mm-hmm. person that mm-hmm. you are, that's really where all the power is, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's different from anybody else. Yeah. One of the things I think um, young women do is they kind of look around. Right mm-hmm. to see what everybody else is doing before they decide what their path is. Mm-hmm. You have to just figure out your own path. It's not going to be the same. You know, I, I could look around at the other women that are in my position doing whether it's political work or television, and I can say, "Wow, she's been doing this for three times longer than I have," or "Wow, she has better connections or you know more education or went to Harvard or something." Yeah. You just say, "Oh, okay, that's not me. Right. I'm okay with that, right. and I'm going to do the best with what I, with my body of work." Yeah. That's true. And some of the, you know, women who are the most, if we'll say, successful in their careers have come from very, very modest beginnings yeah. or tough, tough places, you mm-hmm. know, overcome some, um, you know, adversities in their life. And they've right. still managed to do that. And I think that, you know, you said meditate. Do you meditate? Because that's, you know, something very popular in our culture today. It is. I am not good with silence or uh, <laughs> without a distraction. Right. So I've tried. I'm trying to picture you just kind of relaxed and meditating. I'm not very good. I'm not good at it. I do yoga every once in a while. Do to you? Ch- yes. Um, I, I try to meditate, but I, I, I like the busy, busy, bustle, bustle too the much. Busy. But do you take that minute to reflect every once in a while? When just I wake quiet? up, when I yeah. wake up, I get I get up ten minutes before the rest of my house, and I just do me for five ten yeah, minutes. That's awesome. Listen, I thank you so much for joining thank me. You. This was fun. We covered a lot of topics. And, so fun. Um, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be staying in touch and following you and seeing what you're going to do next. Great, I love that. And why don't you give your uh, website for our listeners if somebody wants to get in touch? Oh yeah, um, ErinElmore.com. Easy enough. Yep. E-R-I-N-E-L-M-O-R-E dot com. Yep, that's me. Okay. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. We encourage you to follow us on our social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and Facebook at womentowatch.net, and our website is women2watch.net. Make it a great week, everyone.